Justice Timberline to partner with uh, Pastor Modris and this ministry on the other side of the world. How can we, how, what can we do? How can we help to expand the reach of your ministry there in, uh, in Latvia? Uh, we have rehab center right now and we have uh, six beds there. We have six students, so it's full. But uh, we believe with your help we can expand and finish the rehab center and we have 24 uh, places, you know, at least 24 guys can be able to come and be there. And actually it's, uh, it's about hope and change lives about future. You can help us to give hope for some more families, some more men's life can be changed. Good. It was great this last June during our Czech Republic trip. A couple of us went up and visited Latvia and saw the center there, which is a, a very humble ministry right now as, as God is just beginning to open doors to expand their facilities. And God has laid it upon our hearts to, to go with them and to partner with them to link arms. And so uh, at the end of the service, there will be an opportunity for you to give. We're bringing a, t- a team in June of 2011 to go and to work and to continue building on that Teen Challenge Center there. Our hope is that God will allow us uh, through giving and through our work there to expand that capacity to reach many, many more men and eventually women uh, for Christ through that ministry. We'll also have teams go out and do uh, outreaches, uh, street evangelism outreaches there in Riga and Latvia. So there's information at the table in the mall, and I encourage you on your way out, stop by, meet Pastor Modris, ask him some Latvia trivia. Uh, how many of you didn't even know there was a country called Latvia? Yeah, I knew there was a few of you out there. Uh, and, and meet him, and you have an opportunity to sign up and say, yeah, I might be interested next June in going and being a part of that ministry. But also, just I, I ask that you begin to pray how God might lay it upon your heart at the end of the service to give and to, and to bless this ministry uh, and to stand alongside those, those of us that will be going uh, next June. Can we pray for you? Sure. Great. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the, the, what you've stirred in Pastor Modris's heart and how, how specifically you have called him to reach out to those that are most broken in this country, God, those that are without hope uh, and who so desperately need a touch from you and to need, need your strength to break the bondage of the, of the addictions that, that, that have taken over their lives. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you would continue to go with him and the staff there Open new doors, strengthen them, God, expand their reach in that country. And God, guide this partnership with Timberline Church as we seek uh, to glorify you and to be a part of your work in the lives of people who need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's say thank you one more time to Pastor Modris, Pastor Mark. God bless you, brother. Good stuff. It's, it's kind of fun because it's a small world in many ways. There's a side note story to this whole thing, and Pastor Modris doesn't mind me sharing this, but when he was about 20 years old, uh, many, many years ago, <laughs> now, a couple of people that some of you know, John and Lori Moffat, and uh, I believe Dick and Nancy DeCook, maybe some others, went there and uh, actually hired an interpreter to help them discover some of the needs and the issues in Latvia. And the interpreter that they hired was a a beautiful lady who met this guy for the first time on that trip and now is his wife. And uh, beautiful kids and family. And so it's just fun how how things work out. So you never know what's going to happen on these missions trips. If you're looking for a mate, you better sign up. I'm, I'm kidding you. You doing good this morning? 
You look great. It's just so fun to be with you. I am talking about faith and what it means to believe God. The fear when the pastor says, today I'm talking about faith, is that we hear about faith so much that we stop listening. We might even stop opening our heart to what God wants to say to us because it's such a topic, it's such a buzzword in Christianity. And today, I want to just back up a little bit and I want to challenge you. Where is your faith in God? How much do you have? Are you truly living as a person of faith? It's challenging. I, uh, I had so much fun yesterday. How many made it to the car show out here? It was just a blast. Thank you for so many of you who were involved in that and seeing all the kids and all the stuff happening. And then I went over to the county fair. Anybody make it to the county fair yet? It's just wonderful. And uh, we had some young people showing stuff, so it was fun to see them. But my takeaway from that county fair was this little girl about this tall who had faith. Let me tell you why she had faith. I had no idea of this, okay? She, it was the barrel racing event for girls. Now, these are big horses, full-size horses. These are not dogs with saddles on them, okay? And this little girl, I'm not kidding you, six or seven years old. I, I actually inquired of someone who knows the, the Little Riches Rodeo and Pee Wee Rodeo and stuff. They can start when they're five. But this girl was like this tall, and she climbs up on this horse. And they say, go, this horse, she's holding on. She's got the saddle on. I mean, she is, I only think her eyes were open part of the time. But this horse knew what to do. This horse knew the loop exactly. And it was just let the horse go. And that girl had faith in that horse that they were going to make it back safely. And I sat there thinking to myself, Lord, how many times... In life, do I just need to hang on to the saddle horn? Because I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure what to do next. But I know you know where you want to take me. And as long as I am holding on to you, I'm going to end up where I need to be. And that is a huge statement of faith. That's trust in God. And that's what I want to share a little bit with you. Because uh, we need that. I was thinking about faith as a muscle. Like, like you know... How many of you have ever lifted weights? How many of you need to? You're just not interested? Okay. If, if you think of the barbell thing and you think of lifting weights, there's two kinds of faith the Bible talks about. Actually, a few more than that, but two main things. The gift of faith, which is sovereignly given by God upon someone and they just believe. There's just no doubt in them and they just proclaim it. And it's, it's a fact. It's like God knowledge and the faith to get it done. But usually when we talk about walking by faith, it's the muscle. It's, I'm going to trust God today. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to believe Him. And I'm going to keep exercising that muscle of faith. And that faith can actually grow. And when you build, when you work those muscles, they actually get bigger. And that's the kind of faith that I'm talking about today. And so, so as, we, as we go through this, just open your heart. Number one in your outline, I was challenged to say, okay... What is the easiest way to describe faith? There are so many definitions of faith. Here's one. Number one, faith is confidence in God. If I had to whittle it down, and this was my challenge for this first point, whittling it down to a moment in which we said, what is faith in daily living? It's confidence in God. 
Now, I'm going to read a familiar passage out of Philippians chapter 3. Paul's writing to some wonderful people in Philippi. They love Paul. They've invested in him. There's a wonderful friendship here, and he's encouraging them when he writes this letter to them. Chapter 3, verse 1. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your, what? Faith. I do it to safeguard your faith. Do what? I never get tired of telling you these things. Telling them what? To rejoice in the Lord. Now that creates a challenge for us because sometimes our rejoicing is tied to how we're doing and how life is treating us. Would you agree? Are you having a good day? Yes, you wouldn't believe what happened. This is great. Thank you, God. And you go on to tell them the good thing that happened. Are you having a good day? No. Lost my job. It's awful. God, where are you? You see the difference? When we are instructed to rejoice in the Lord, it is not based upon the circumstances that we are encountering. We are rejoicing in the fact that God is just, His traits are perfect, and He is trustworthy. And if we hold on to Him, we will end up where we need to be going, and He will go with us. So regardless of circumstances, regardless of issues, see here's kind of how it happens. You ever have a, right now, Bonnie and I, her, she's, we have a car that's acting up. How many of you know cars have demons that live in them sometimes? <laughs> I, I know it has like almost 100,000 miles on it, but it, it's been a great car, so I'm grateful. But the transmission is kind of doing this funny thing. And when you say transmission, you just see a lot of dollar signs, don't you? And you just see trouble. And uh, so Bonnie finally said to me, Jerry, I, I just don't trust this car. I don't want to drive this car anymore. And so... We swapped cars, and so now I'm, you know, if I don't make it some weekend, you'll know I'm just stuck out here somewhere. Uh, the idea of this is we lose confidence, and, and we don't want to, to drive it anymore. Now, not all of you will understand this, but how many golfers in the crowd? Anyone play golf? Okay, good. How about miniature putt-putt? Okay, you'll, you'll get this. It, it's funny how golfers talk about the confidence they have in certain clubs. And, and putters are the, a big thing. People, pros, change putters constantly until they find one they have a lot of confidence in. And they talk about, well, I've lost confidence in, in this club. And it's, it's a mental game. But when you lose confidence in it, you're not going to make as many putts. Sounds silly, but it's true. Lay that on to people, relationships. Bonnie and I have a great marriage because I have confidence in Bonnie. I have faith in her. She has faith in me. She has confidence in me. And relationships are better when we have, when you lose confidence in someone, you lose faith in them, the relationship is going to be strained. And what happens is that's how we associate our relationship with God. When things are going great, we have a lot of confidence in God. When things go south and it's awful and it's terrible, our tendency is to say, I'm losing confidence in God. And we need correction on that because it's not God who has changed. He is flawless. Our expectations become flawed. And when you go through hardship, it changes your theology. Because suddenly you have to recognize that those expectations may not be proper expectations because God isn't flawed. Let me continue this. Look at number two. This kind of says it. It says, faith is confidence that goes beyond my knowledge or abilities. Paul really brings this out. That means what I know or what I'm capable of doing. 
and it rests upon the character of God. If, if you just take this takeaway today and you really think about that statement this week, I've been trying to do that all week long. Faith is confidence that goes beyond my knowledge or abilities and rests upon the character of God. Not just what happens to me, not what God does for me, but the character of God. He is perfect. Look at verse 8 of Philippians 3. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Here's that famous passage many of you have read when Paul's comparing his, all his accomplishments with knowing Christ. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, which is how he grew up. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. Here's the question. Here's what it boils down to. Do you believe that you can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus has done for you? Not what you can do for Him. I'll work a little harder. No, faith in God. Our relationship with the Lord is solely based on His work on the cross. And by faith, we accept that, we receive that, and we become the sons and daughters of God. That's it. It's a miracle, I know. But we have faith in his character. Paul used to rely on his education, on his political power, on his titles, on his performance, on his genealogy, but not anymore. You guys, the pressure's off. Your confidence in God is not related to what you know or how good you do something. It is related to your ability to believe in him and to trust him regardless of where you are. In life. So, having said those two things, let's move on to these next three things. Number three is faith means living um, real with real transformation. Now, this is where we get into the process of how it changes me when I have authentic relationship with Christ, because it does change us. My behaviors do change. That's not what my faith is, is in. My faith is in Jesus, but knowing Him. My behaviors change. Look at verse 10. I love this statement, you guys. Paul says, I want to know Christ. If that's all we said today, that's inspiring because that's the number one goal that we should have. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. This is the passion that Paul lives for. And if there's one thing we need to take home with us today, it's this statement, I want to know Christ. Sometimes we make Christianity and following Jesus very complicated. We do. Honestly, we do. And we stack up all the things that we need to do. I mean, I, this is kind of a bold statement, and I don't mean it in a, in a confrontive way, but I, I want to say, if you... Will, will have one primary goal in your life, in your relationship with God, and that is to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And the word is gnosis here in the Greek language, and it means to know by experience. I, I want to touch, feel, breathe. I want to live this. I want to be in it. And, and Paul says, I want to know Christ that way. If we will do that, everything else in life gets in line. 
You believe that? I want to know Christ. If that becomes my pursuit and my passion, it will lead me to the right places. And we will experience this power that Paul talks about. It's the word dunamis. We get our word dynamite from that word. It's used in Acts 1.8. You will receive dunamis, power, explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's a powerful thought. Number four. Faith is about little decisions we make for the long haul. Faith is about little decisions that we make for the long haul. Now, here's why, here's why I put this in the notes. Because as a pastor, you, you see people in all kinds of, of complicated issues. And I don't like, do you guys, I don't like it when people have like easy answers for complex problems. Do you ever meet someone that just says, oh, well, that's no big deal. Just do this. And you're like, bam. I just want to slap them. There's some complex problems in people's lives. And there's not just a one-button easy fix. But in the long haul, you can go through the zigzag and the tunnel and the darkness by making little decisions based on your faith in God and based on knowing Christ. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on. To possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this thing, this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What a powerful statement. Paul is saying, a little weariness and trouble is not going to take me out. I, I made a little list for me. I didn't even know if I would bring it to you. But let me just, I, I think it's four or five little things right out of this text that I put down for my life that I'm going to do. These are my takeaways. And, and think about them with me. Paul makes these incredible statements. I mean, they're, they're little decisions. Because I, I hear people going through life say things like this. Oh, for this issue I'm up against right now, I need big faith. I'd like to push on that for a minute and say, no, maybe not. Maybe you just need little faith a lot of times. Maybe it's just one step here and getting that right, and it's, it's about the wisdom of navigating with those kids or that marriage. or that. It's not about looking at the whole thing. That will overwhelm you. But it's about having the faith to say, this is one decision I have a piece about, and I can go through this. Paul says, I press on. Don't you just love that? I'm inspired by that. Because even the word press means it's complex, it's not easy, it's difficult, but I'm not stopping. I'm not stopping. I press on. Then he says, I focus on this one thing. I, I'm, I love that because how many of you have too many things bouncing around in your brain? You know, and, and it's important for us to say, what's the one thing today that will help me know Christ? Then he says, forgetting the past. Now, is it possible to forget those big issues, those blunders in your past? Is it physically possible to actually not recall them anymore? <laughs> How many of you would say, yeah, because I'm forgetting a lot of stuff lately? Yeah. See, we, <laughs> the problem with me is I forget the stuff I tried to remember. And I remember the stuff I want to forget. Paul is not saying God's going to wipe out your mem- memory and put in a new SD card and you get a fresh start. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I will willfully press on, 
forgetting those blunders and things that I have done. Why? Because Paul has a pretty tough history. And you know Satan is using your history every day of your life to take away your faith, to take away your confidence in God. And when he gets people and their past starts chasing them, all they're doing is running from their past. They're running from it. They're running from it. That means you're not pressing on in the plan and will of God. It means your direction is compromised. Let go of that stuff. Focus on God. Know Him. And run toward the prize. He says, forgetting the past, looking forward. That's, that's, such a great, that's such a great thing. I did a wedding the other day, and I love that phrase in the vows that says, from this day, what? Forward. This day marks me. This day, there's a change. I know I have a past. I know there's history there, but this vow is from this day forward. You guys, you can start right now today forgetting those things which are behind you and pressing toward the prize of God to the end of the race. And then he says, I press on to reach the end of the race. You are called to finish, not to start. And only faith can get you to the finish line. A lot of people start. Very few finish. Last thing I want to say. Number five, faith helps us. It's actually not the last thing I want to say. It's just we're out of time almost. So I'll make it the last thing. Aren't you thankful? Faith helps us overcome discouragement. Faith helps us overcome discouragement. We all get discouraged. We all have places in our lives that are tough. In verse 15, it says... Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. He's talking about the things he's just said. But verse 16 captures me. But we must. Okay, this is like a hear this. We must hold on to the progress we have already made. What does that mean? Why would he say that? Does this insinuate to you that that means you can actually lose progress in your faith journey with God? <laughs> Collect this. Yeah. Distractions. Discouragement. Big issues. And suddenly you're worrying and you're anxious and you're not sure how that happened. That's why Paul says, let's hold on to the progress and not lose it. I, again, I did the same thing. I just made a little list. And I, I asked this question. What are the, some, of the, some of the ways that make me lose progress? And then I start thinking about Christians in general. And I put a little list together. I want to just throw them out there and have you think about them with me. I lose progress when I look back at my mistakes too much. And I've mentioned that already, so I'll move on. The second one is I lose progress in my faith and in my journey with God when I listen only to critical voices. This one is huge because some of you are from environments where all you hear is what you're not getting right. And there's no encouragement. There's no inspiration. That's why if you're parenting in your family, with your siblings, with your parents, be an encourager. Correction is wonderful, but make it about a 10 to 1 because encouragement gets results. Encouragement puts a pattern on someone. And, and I know I lose progress when I just start listening to critical voices. And I'll tell you something. Losers like to create more losers. Because they feel better about themselves. If they can pull the bar all the way down here and get everyone to live in loser zone, <laughs> then they're happy. Right? Are you, are you getting this today? Yeah, okay. We should get some more coffee and serve it around right now. Just so, just so I know you're there. 
I lose progress. Another one is when insecurity keeps me from trying. And I see people all the time, their insecurity actually stops them from even attempting something because of a, a fear of failure. And, and that insecurity, well, I can't go in there. No, they're going to think this. No, people are going to say that. And all of a sudden, there's self-talk. You're going to lose progress. I'll tell you right now. God's calling you to go. It's like that little girl on the horse. It's time to go. And, and the horse goes, and she's holding on. And that's our walk with God. That's how we walk by faith. We don't always like it. It's not always easy. But I will not let insecurity keep me from attempting to do the will of God. Another one is, I lose progress when I start forcing things to happen in my own timing. <laughs> do you have this problem? Anybody besides me? I had a little project this winter. So fun. Uh, Bonnie said, you need, you need a little project this winter. And I bought this older motorcycle and, and started refixing it up. And man, I had it all apart. My garage pieces everywhere. And, and I'm out there and, and I go through this whole transmission clutch piece and I'm putting all these gears in and, and I got it all together and there's a few pieces still out. And I thought, well, this is this shouldn't be. <laughs> I took it all back apart. <laughs> I finally got everything in there, but the case wouldn't go back on. So my my idea is, you get a bigger hammer. It, it needs to be convinced, and that doesn't work. You can break stuff when you just force it. You lose progress. You try so hard, you beat something up, you force your way in, you use the trump card, and guess what? You we love you. I would like our prayer teams in both auditoriums to come now and make themselves available. If you want to pray with someone, please do so. Lord, as we walk out of this room today, we thank you that your presence makes all the difference. And let that presence of God go with us into this world that we might walk the walk of faith and make little decisions that change the world. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Lots of stuff out in the mall. Lots of tables. Men, I think it's last week to sign up for men's retreat. So get out there. God bless you.